Have a Dope Day is brought to you by the Ultimate Collision Center. If you ever find yourself in an automotive accident, don't settle for any old body shop. Tell your insurance company to send your vehicle to the Ultimate Collision Center. Where we, yes we, I'm the painter here and have been for many years, we are a family-owned and operated company. Here at the Ultimate Collision Center, we guarantee all of our work done during the repair process. That means every nut, bolt, clear coat, parts we repair or replace is 100% guaranteed by us. You can trust in our team of technicians that have been with us for well over a decade. The Ultimate Collision Center accepts all insurance companies, and we do all in our power to ensure the use of OEM parts and materials. So tell your adjuster you want to send your vehicle to the Ultimate Collision Center, located at 5912 Auburn Boulevard in the city of Citrus Heights, or call 916-768-9614. Welcome back to another episode of Have a Dope Day. I'm your host, Gabriel Lopez. Today, we're doing episode number two of the greatest graffiti story ever told. Mario, can I get the hand clasp, please? We will not be introducing our guest today for uh, different reasons. Before we get started in the episode, I want to remind everybody that Have a Dope Day and the tat- and blah, the Medium Tattoo and Gallery are throwing a show called Vandals on Canvas, February 26th from 2 to 6 p.m., if you haven't seen the flyer on Instagram, maybe checking my stuff back out and see. So, G, let's get into it with you today. We left off the last episode with <clears throat> you starting to get into hardcore drugs, particularly methamphetamine, and everything was starting to amplify in your life. The graffiti, the stealing, the shoplifting, uh, the lifestyle just that you were already living starts to get pretty extreme. Do you remember the first time you got it in your mind to try hardcore drugs? Um, I think at that point, uh, what was it? I think the end of 2019, maybe. Um, okay. I was already doing a lot of cocaine and everything. That got gradually worse and worse. And then I was on my way up to Chico because I had to go. There's like a traffic ticket I had to take care of. So... We go out there, or I go out there. I get woken up early in the morning by my family. They're like, yo, you got to get out there. So I'm tired as fuck. I was already up all night. We get out there, go to court. And after, there's some homies out there. So I was like, okay, maybe I can get some for the way back. So I'm kicking it with the homie, and nothing's coming up. We're hitting people up. Nobody's replying. So that was that. I'm tired as fuck, and I'm just like, well, I need to get home. This and that. And he was like, okay, well... I'm not telling you to do this, but I have this other shit right here. At that point, I'm fucking so tired. I'm just trying to get home. I'm like, all right, all right, whatever. It's just take a little bit. And then I did it. And I remember at first, I didn't like it at all. Like it burned everything. And that was that. And then he was like, well, take a little bit for the way home. I don't know, 30 minutes into the drive, it must have just hit me. And it was like a super euphoric feeling. And then I was going from being super tired and falling asleep at the wheel to wide awake, like hitting the homies up, like, what's going on? Let's go do something. Let's go paint this and that. So that's the first experience. So my questions that automatically come to my head now in my sober mind, which wouldn't have came in my addictive mind. First, let me just, you you were looking for Coke first, right? Yeah. Just to try to stay up enough to function. Yeah. Why not just go to sleep? I'm in Chico. I got to get home. Uh, where I was at, it wasn't really somewhere I could stay at. Um, 
I mean, even though I was in my addiction of cocaine, I was still had, and this is the addictive mind speaking. I think it's responsible for me to do something else so I can get home. Yeah. No, it, it, your addictive mind will justify almost anything Yeah, when it comes to the need and stopping the anxiety and the whole uneasiness of not having whatever you need. So the drug we're talking about that you got from the homie is meth, right? Yeah, methamphetamine. Okay. You had never done it before. You didn't. That wasn't your drug of choice. But as it entered your system and it began to just do what it's chemically made to do. Mm-hmm. You began to like it. Yeah. What happens after that? Um, I think when I got back, I did a little bit more and I got rid of it because I didn't like like consuming it. I did not like how that made me feel. It burned and everything. So I think I ended up just dumping it, throwing it away. And then it was back to cocaine for a little bit. But now that that was ingrained in my mind, like, okay, well, that makes me feel like this and I can be tired and do this and it'll really keep me awake. I started slowly graduating or going back to it. So, okay. Another person that's sitting here in the in the studio with us is another one of the homies. He was in on the other episode that we posted that I took down in order to respect all the guidelines that you're in in your life. So I'm gonna just refer to you as G. Let's get your perspective on. Did you know any of this was going on, G? Mm, no. When did you first start to see? A difference in him or did you uh i noticed a difference maybe summer of 2020 okay and you're talking about late 19 that you started yeah or the beginning of 2020 like i said my uh okay memory not the best but okay at what points were you telling yourself this is a meth night versus this is a coke night or this is a meth situation versus a coke situation like how were you easing yourself into the addiction like what was the circumstances i mean that allowed you to do that um the people i was hanging around i was painting a lot at that time so now i'm going out to the bay area painting out there meeting the homies out there and i'm just like okay this is cool whatever and i'm going out there with coke or whatever and then someone i'm with ends up fucking around with meth so it's just like okay well I think I was lying to myself at that point, which I was um, telling myself that, well, it's not that bad. Like he's doing it. He's cool. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's normal. So at first it wasn't like I just dove straight into it. It was a slow progression, but definitely, yeah, it picked up speed really fast. No. and And I asked because it's, you know, these things are bad. And even though you have a habit for one thing, Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you'll try anything and everything just yet. You kind of have to get past a certain fear. Like I can understand a Coke addiction cause it's partying. It's, it's, it's not that bad because people, you know, wake up and go to work the next day. Yeah. Right. Like it's, there's, it's a social drug a little more. Mm-hmm. Meth is kind of like lock me in a trailer and let's, you know, Heisenberg yeah. type <laughs> shit. So it's just, it's different. It has a different identity to it. Yeah. Now, were you encountering the, the use in with meth in the graph game in the Bay a lot, or is this just one or two people you fucked with or like how widespread is it? Um, no, not necessarily. I mean, there's a handful of people I know who stay away from that shit. But at that point I'm graffiti 24 hours a day. Yeah. 365 days, like Christmas, whatever I'm going painting. So it's who the fuck's around on those days. Yeah. People are with their families or like people have jobs. They can't paint all the time. So I'm like, 
well, I want to make friends that I can constantly paint with. So want to stay you, in it. Yeah. You meet this group of people and they're like, well, they do it too. And you don't feel so bad about yourself doing it because th- yeah. you're doing it with somebody else. That's the thing about a social addictive group. You'll social just, encounter. Social encounters. That yeah. involves drugs. Yeah. Yo, there you go. Dang, you should be a podcast host, bro. That sounds way better than what I said. Yeah. You'll justify a lot of shit, bro. I remember driving from Highlands down to Midtown, back up to Highlands, back down to Midtown, and then the Highlands again because the connect was in Highlands. But I didn't have the connect. So I had to go grab the person that had the connect, do all the running around. And I'm like, dude, I just paid like hell of money, but I didn't give a shit, right? Because I'm doing whatever. You're not the thinking about that. You don't give a fuck about none of that shit. And it's easy to do that when you don't compare yourself to people who aren't doing that. Mm-hmm. So if you stay in that circle of people, shit becomes easy. How are you paying for all of this? <clears throat> um, let's see. When I got to that point, I wasn't working. Um, shoplifting was a big part of it. Um, if not, just there's a lot of people who try to like family members, for example, like my parents, I would always ask them like, Oh, could I get like 20 bucks for this and that manipulate the situation? Like, Oh, I need fucking, I need this. I need to go get a haircut. Can I get some money? And it's like, I I feel like at times probably towards the end, they for sure knew what was going on, but they don't know any better. I'm their son and they're just trying to help me out because they don't want to see me on the streets. But at the same time, it's like, you become such a dirtbag when you're in that lifestyle. And I, I definitely became one. You do. And so you said, is this where the shoplifting really takes like a a bunch of notches up? Yeah, big time. That's where I developed that addiction in itself. I would consider myself a kleptomaniac. Like I, I do enjoy stealing and I'm learning how to try not to operate like that as much anymore. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Because for legal reasons and just because <laughs> in, the, in the long run, it's not going to lead me up anywhere. No, it's not. You're gonna have kids like racking shit. Like <laughs> horrible. <laughs> oh, just kidding. So, what are some of the? Because you had some very in-depth, detailed stories, and I'll call them schemes on how to do shit. Like at Home Depot, you had mentioned something about being, what is it, like a pro member or some shit like that. Yeah, I considered myself one. <laughs> yeah. So, so what are some of the racking schemes that you're doing in order to get big money? We're not talking about like ten, twenty dollars here, but a couple hundred bucks. Like, how would you come up with that? Um. I guess you just got to play the part. That's what I would always try to do. I'd go, if I'm going in there, I want to look like I'm working. You know, if yeah. I'm going into the paint section, I'm probably wearing some like working jeans, like uh, covered in paint or whatever, but maybe a company shirt. Yeah. I'll go out to Sherman Williams and get their, the free t-shirts they hand out for painters. Yeah. Who have con- or, contractors. Yeah. Contractors and whatnot. So I'd get that. I'd have the pants and I'd go in there. And I guess one of the schemes is I would go. Just get like shit ton, way too much spray paint. Like it's kind of ridiculous. And I guess just go up to the cash register and be like, okay, I want to pay for this. Have them ring it all up. And then at the very end, you ask to do a phone sale. And a phone sale is when you guys have like a, like a company card, I guess, or yeah. with them. So they can't do that at the regular register. So what they would do is, oh, shoot. Okay. You got to go to the pro section, which is over by lumber. Yeah. They'd be like, okay, let me uh, cancel this out for you. And they'd print you out a full receipt with everything that's rang up on it. And then she's waving goodbye to you as she thinks you're going to the pro Um, section. Anybody else who's watching loss prevention, anything, if they're watching on the cameras, it looks like I just made a transaction. I'm fucking saying my goodbyes. And then I'm just pushing out the lumber section. 
And how much, what's a dollar amount for something like that? Shoot. Ballpark. Uh, I think at the time, Resto was like $4 a can. It's gone up so much lately. So um, four times 150 cans. And then, and then like, I'm getting hella other shit on top of it. Shit that I don't, just whatever shit that I can return later down the road for like racking returns. And you're doing that how many times a week or a day? Every day. Multiple Every, times a day. Multiple times a day. That was like my hustle. And some of the homies who I'd kick it with, that was our hustle. To make money, we'd go out and everybody knew two for five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cash. Getting cash. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, damn, son. That's wild. How many, like, how are you doing that at all the stores? What stores are you doing that at? Is it out here or is it in the Bay? Like, where? what area are you at? Um, It was out here. It was in the Bay. It was... Everywhere? Everywhere. I'd make trips out of town to go shoplifting. Just to go do that? Yeah. And you get out scot-free, no issues? You just run it? No, there's a lot of times where loss prevention, I'd run out and be like, grab the cart and grab whatever you got. And and you just let it go? But most of the time with that, towards the end, I I started looking rough, you know what I mean? Yeah. You could tell I was using drugs. Yeah. So at that point, I'm not trying to do no scheme. The cash register, the cashier is always staring at me like, okay, something's up with this guy. He either got a stolen credit card or yeah, yeah. what's he going to, shady shit he's going to pull right now. So at that point, it's just walking out of the entrance, just trying to get a a good way out. You know what I mean? So like Home Depot, you can walk out the entrance, no problem. And if Lost Prevention comes and stops you, they'll just grab what you have. They'll tell you to come to the back. You don't have to go to the back. Yeah. They've had so many lawsuits against them that they're not trying to touch you at all. They just want their merchandise back. From my experience. Yeah. But at the same time, there's other people who I know who got their fucking arm broke. Now, G, what about you? Is this something that's widespread throughout the Bay and Graf and just throughout graffiti period, even outside of California? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah? Like, if you had to guess how many people you know right now that get it like this, what would you, what would the number be? On top of my head, at least 50. Damn, son, that's a lot of stealing. But yeah, I think that in everybody, people who are fueled by drugs or even not by drugs yeah. in the graffiti community, I can name a good handful. Yeah. Maybe they weren't going to the extent I was because yeah, yeah. like there'd be days I wouldn't even paint. I'm just trying to go steal shit. Yeah. So there's that. But then there's also the homies who don't do drugs, but they still shoplift. But it's not to the level I guess I was getting it. What about like the uh, stealing other merchandise and putting that online for sale? You ever do stuff like that? No, so I got put on by some clever motherfuckers with eBay and everything. Yeah, yeah. I never got that to that level on the eBay shit because I was just so in my addiction that I just wanted money here. And now there's no me waiting. Yeah, oh, yeah. I got to ship this out. I'm not doing that. Yeah. So, but there was, I would go in and steal like power tools or like AC units during the summer and shit and sell those. Damn, some AC units. Yeah, you go get one of the flat carts at Home Depot and just stack like this, three of them on there. The for like five, six hundred dollars each. And who are you selling that to? That would be on offer up, but they're like fences. So like in like the boosting game and like in the death people game. Pay. Yeah. yeah. People there, will pay. There's like fences, and that's what you call someone who buys bulk shit off a booster. So I don't know these guys, but they know what to look for online. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. A little bit underpriced, a brand new box. Like in their head, they're like, okay, this dude's probably some junkie yeah. just trying to get some money. And they'd somehow find us and they knew because they'd be like, 
oh, I see you have this one AC unit for sale. How many more do you have? Yeah, yeah. So they already kind of had that idea. And then we're like, well, I got six of them. And he's like, all right, how about this? Yeah. Take my number down and I'm going to buy them for less than 50% off. They really yeah, try yeah. to lowball, but, and us being us, we're just taking it. We're like, fuck yeah. Three, 300 bucks that day? Oh, we're great. Like <laughs> That's wild. What was a dollar amount a day you were spending on the drugs? Um, It wasn't. I don't know. Meth is not that expensive. Even at, okay. even when I remember at one point when I first started getting into it, everybody else who did it around me, they're like, yeah, the prices are high right now, but you could get, I could get by off like $20 a day. But then at that time I liked Xanax a lot. Okay. So benzos. So I would get high and then I would need something to kind of metal me out, whether it be alcohol or yeah. a benzo. So I'd go out and buy that. And I try to flip them on the side, but that never really worked out. Not because you eat them all? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm going to put a pin in your story, and mm-hmm. I just want to ask G to comment on how common is this same situation and graph in your experience today? What do you mean, like with other people? Yeah. Like fools that are just living to steal, running on drugs, painting graffiti, you know, 365. Like, how common is that? I'd say it's right pretty now? common. Like, I mean, for... People that have been in it, you know, that are living it. Yeah. I'd say it's pretty common, but people that are, you know, coming onto it, they're just, you know, experiencing, oh, I'm gonna go rack a bucket of paint. Yeah. Like a bucket of paint, dude, come on. Yeah. See, there's, that was the thing that freaked me out about graph is you start seeing dudes late thirties, early forties. Completely changing their lifestyles. Yeah. Well, not, not that part too. That's a new thing for me, but. I'm talking about like being me being 20, understanding what I'm doing every day, right? Writing graffiti. I live for graffiti. And then you see fools that are like late 30s, early 40s who are still doing that. And even without a job, still, you know, still trying to sell weed type shit. And it's like, bro, this lifestyle can really just dead end if you allow it to. Yeah. Then there's other people that have experience that have jobs. They still paint here and there. You know, they still have their shit together. So that was always something that tripped me out is graffiti is just so wide as a social net, like who's all under it. That intertwines a lot. It does intertwine a lot. Like that's crazy to me. All right. Let's get back to you and your story. So I heard about some like some hotel rooms and shit and traveling and all this and that. Mm -hmm. Now, where does that all like really nice hotel rooms? Is hotel the word you use when they're fancy? Yeah, yeah mo- okay. it ain't no Momo, it ain't yeah. no motel. Oh, yeah, motel's like on what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, so that at that point, um, me and the homie hitting stores every day, coming up, selling paint out in the Bay Area. We got all this money, and we don't want to have to mob back out to Sacramento yeah. to come crash out. Yeah. So we're just like, why don't we just get a hotel real quick? So then we started cashing out. Just every single night for like months on end, we were out there every single night. When you say got all this money, give me a give me a dollar figure, like a ballpark dollar figure. I mean, to to somebody who works a job and knows how to save their money, it's not a lot. But to a fucking addict, yeah, it, it felt like we were doing good because we could afford a two hundred dollar a night hotel with a two hundred dollar deposit, and you don't get that two hundred dollars back from the deposit right away. So you got to have that yeah. steady like four hundred dollars every day, just to Damn. yeah. And you're doing this for months on end? Yeah. Why a fancy hotel then? Because at that point, 
I I mean, I can speak on myself. Maybe the homie felt the same way because he likes staying there too. I didn't think I was that bad in my addiction. I was like, I thought I was better than other addicts when in reality I'm yeah, doing the same shit. Yeah, but just I, in a nicer room. Yeah. <laughs> for real though. But at the same time, like I would I would see motherfucking guys. I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> no, nah, it's real though. And I would I would see other people like checking into the hotel, like, it's a nice hotel. And then I'd be like, But those people look kind of dirty. Or look at the car they just pulled up <laughs> yeah. in and they're kinda like us. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. that's something that trips me out when you talk about people getting money illegally, right? It's like when money comes out fast and it's it's good like that, you will just waste that yeah, shit. It, will, it comes as quick as it comes and as quick as it goes. Exactly. So how long do you think this period of fancy hotels, constant meth use, graffiti, and stealing, like that's your day, how long did that last for? I meant that <clears throat> the fancy hotels probably lasted a few months, probably like over a summer, maybe okay. a little bit longer. But then we just started doing drugs and drugs and then getting kind of burnt out, getting paranoid, at least me personally. Shit, the homies, I can tell you that they would too. We'd like think that the loss prevention is following us from store to store and shit. Just shit. like straight like tripping out. It's fucked up, but you kind of lose your mind in a sense. So it's like, holy shit. And we'd, then we weren't stealing as much, so we couldn't afford the nice hotels. And then, yeah, and then I just met more people out in the Bay Area to kind of kick it with, go squat at their fucking house just because I don't got nowhere to go, sleeping yeah. in my car, doing whatever. Yeah, so you're basically homeless. Yeah. Painting graffiti. In a sense, yeah. And what, let's put a pen in it again, what, you're seeing all this from the outside looking in, what are you thinking? Because I know you're in the hotels too, fool. What am I thinking? Yeah. Um... Shit, my friends kind of spiraling down, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't know. You kind of just got to hope for the better and pray that he doesn't, you know, go down. Or, you know, I wake up the next day and I get a phone call like, oh, this fool, you know, passed out or would need. You know, that shit sucks. But, you know, thank God I never got that call. Yeah. Have you gotten that call about other people? Um, Not from graffiti writers or, I mean... Maybe from other graffiti writers, but in my Circle. personal experience, yeah, no, not not that I've gone. It's more like meaning like family that use drugs. Yeah. Now, are you worried about fentanyl at all at this time while you're running around doing I, things? I'm not, no. I know that it's becoming a bigger thing and I've heard of it, but yeah. especially with the pressed pills I was getting, I yeah. knew that I would go get like a, a roll or a boat of Xanax to try to flip and make money. I didn't up just breaking even and getting high, but... I knew that that was a thing. You would hear about these press pills with yeah. fentanyl in it, but I personally never experienced or knew anybody that overdosed from a pill. But now that's like the Common. next thing. But yeah. yeah, I feel like if you hear someone that's taking a Perk 30, that's what's supposed to be a Oxycontin or whatever. Yeah. So it's just not adding up, man. It's just like, I think at this point, if you're taking one of those, you kind of know what you're taking <laughs> or you're in denial about it, but you still kind of know. Yeah. That shit's terrifying, bro. Like, even when I was heavy in my addiction, I couldn't find pills. Like, I didn't give a shit what I took mm -hmm. as long as I just didn't feel... Consuming something. Consuming. I needed to consume something. But, like, I couldn't... I'd be, I'm terrified, like, now for people that are in that, living that lifestyle who are yeah. still doing that. It's like, bro, you're rolling the fucking dice every time. I've gotten fake pills as an addict, and they just didn't do shit. Yeah, that's what I was going to say a lot of times with me. It's like... Because at this point, like... 
I don't. Nobody likes the way the pill tastes, but yeah. I I would fucking chew the pill and like, yeah. okay, yeah, let I me see. Does it have the taste? Yeah, I did that too. And so, there was some with Xanax. There's some scary shit about them because you can take them and they won't taste like anything. You think they're fake, and you're, you just took two. Next yeah. thing you know, you're three days later, you're coming out of a blackout, like yeah. some mani shit. Like three days later, I mean, maybe that's a little over exact, no, yeah. but for sure, like there was times where I'd be out in the sack and I'd take a couple bars with yeah. the homie, and the next thing I know, like we're coming out of it and we're like passed out in the car somewhere. Like I don't even know what city I'm in. I'm so confused. Yeah, and I look at my Snapchat and it's like. I'm in Sac, and I'm in Oakland, and I'm in Frisco, then I'm in back to Sac, and then I'm in fucking Vallejo, and I'm back to Sac, and back to, like, literally to that yeah. extent, like, ridiculous, like, two days worth of just bullshit, like, who knows what we were doing, how we even operated a vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's crazy. That's fucking terrifying when you think about it now. Yeah. So there's a point to where all of this shit really fucks your life up. Right. It comes to a rock bottom, basically. Yeah. What was that point? What was the situation that led up to that? Um, <clears throat> I start breaking into cars to because I'm still shoplifting. But like I said, I'm doing drugs. I'm paranoid and shit. Yeah. Up for multiple days. So then I'm out breaking into cars and shit. And every once in a while you come across a car and it had the fucking keys in it. Yeah. So there's been a few times that that's happened and this time specifically we came up on a car out here and we were just like treating it like or i was treating it like it was my car yeah so i'm just driving it around up and down the fucking streets on the freeways going through toll you know what i mean and then we were i think it was right before christmas we were out and we were leaving lowe's and all of a sudden like i look spun the fuck out i had a broken uh had a broken heel at this point. So I'm on crutches and I'm with my homie and we're coming out and all of a sudden there's a fucking cop coming through the parking lot. So we're like, oh shit, okay. We already look suspicious as fuck because yeah. that's why he originally was going to try to stop us when we got to the car because he thought we were shoplifting. Yeah. At that point, I had store credit so I didn't steal anything. Yeah. But that's how like spun out I looked. I'm in a stolen vehicle Parked in a handicapped spot, parked backwards, like no front plate on, like it looks sus. Yeah. And I open the back and I'm throwing the paint in there. And then all of a sudden I wait for him to get far enough away. I could tell he wanted to do something with me, like stop me. But like, I was just like, I'm Why, okay. Because he was driving hell slow. Yeah. Yeah. Like we didn't get called in or nothing. It was just around Christmas time. They're patrolling a little yeah. heavier for shoplifting. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so we get in the car. And I kind of jam out the parking lot and I get stopped at a light, but I have a good little cushion of cars behind me. So they couldn't get right Run behind away, me. Yeah. I hit a U-turn and all of a sudden I see him hit the lights. So at that point, I'm gone. I'm fucking jamming, 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 hitting the shoulder, doing fucking 90. It's like 15 mile an hour traffic. Like what I'm, kind of car? Was it a full size car? A station yeah, wagon? it was an SUV. It was oh, a Toyota. Okay. So keep going. And uh, yeah, so I'm going. And I'm on the inside shoulder at this point. The pursuit's been going on for a few minutes. Like, I had a good gap on him. And next thing I know, the center divide, every so often, it kind of bends out and back yeah. in because yeah. there's, like, the freeway signs that tell you what exit's coming yeah, up. Yeah. And I must have been going, like, 40 or 50 on the inside shoulder, dead stop traffic, and I hit it and fucking just bounce into traffic. It just shoots me into traffic. I hit a car that hit a car that hit a car. 
Damn. And the wheel fell off and Fuck. pretty much terminated the pursuit. I have a fucking, I'm doing drive, doing all this driving with my left foot, by the way, because my right is broken. Yeah. And then the gun's blazing. Just get out of the fucking car. Loud ass sirens. Yeah. Like as dead stop traffic as it is. Yeah. So I got to, I'm like yelling out the window. I'm like, hold on. I got a broken foot. I can't get out easily. I got crutches in the back. I'm not going to go reach in for that. Get shot. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) it's all bad. And then I just remember hopping back. Keep, keep coming back. Keep going back until they put me in cuffs. It's just people on their phones. Everybody's recording this. Like I'm just like, fuck. How many cops you think were in the pursuit? Um, it took me to the hospital nearby after because, of course, I, I'm fucking on drugs. And I think, like, as long as I can prolong going to jail, like, I'm going to be all right. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, take me to the hospital. Yeah. And they checked me out. I was there for a couple hours. But I remember they pulled into the hospital, which is pretty close to where I crashed. And all the cops that were in the pursuit were there. There was a lot of fucking cops there. Good, like, over 15. Shit. It's a nicer area, so you know what I mean? Like, they're waiting for some action. While you're running through traffic, you're on the shoulder, and the traffic to your right is all stopped, Mm -hmm. correct? And there's one cop behind you that you can see, but there's obviously way more. I couldn't even really see him, to be honest. Oh, Oh, you had that far of a... Yeah. Damn. I remember after the pursuit, he said, damn, man, you got a broken foot. He's like, I give it to you. You can fucking drive. He's like, I don't know if we would have been able to catch you if there wasn't that traffic. Well, they, that sounds like the situation <laughs> where real. they terminate the, the chase on, too. No, yeah. I mean, legally, they're supposed to, but yeah. I guess I, I'm glad everything went down the way it went down, looking back on it. You know what I mean? So let's let's elaborate more on your time in the hospital. You get, they cuff you to the bed, obviously, yeah. and they're checking you out. Uh-huh. What are What's the hospital saying to you while you're there and you're, you just got fucking arrested? Um. So I remember he opened up the, he knew my shit was broken. There's no, yeah. like, there wasn't no faking it. Yeah. Like I had a splint on. I, yeah. I was supposed to have surgery on it after come to find out, but it, I never got to because I went to jail. Yeah. Um, I remember he opened the back door and he's like, if you fucking run, I swear to God, it's going to be the worst day of your life. Because it's just me and that cop at that point. Yeah, yeah. Just one cop car. Like he brought me around. To, and then he's like, I'm going to go walk and get the wheelchair. And he shoved me back inside. And then he. Came and got me. He didn't even handcuff me to nothing because he he knew I wasn't going anywhere. He's one of the good. He was one of those young cops. Like, give me give me the fucking yeah. Let me, me the get the reason. chance. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think? Were you like I could probably run from this fool? No, but I I don't know. Just something about being in jail sucks. Everybody knows that. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's like if, as long as I could prolong it, and it was probably there for like two hours, and yeah, go to jail right after. So you go to the county jail, and what's that experience like with the broken heel? As are you wired on drugs at this point? Yeah, I'm coming off of drugs. Okay, you're coming off of them. Oh yeah, at this point, yeah. last time I got high was probably like an hour before that pursuit. So, what's that like sitting in the processing tank? Everybody um, else is coming in. You're just sitting there. You know what you've been doing. Mm-hmm. You know you're about to go through the reckoning of fucking withdrawal. Mm-hmm. And all the other shit that's coming along, and you just got this new heavy ass case. What's going like? What are you thinking? Um, I'm making phone calls, kind of playing the victim at this point. Yeah. Why? Why were they chasing me? Why 
this, why that? They shouldn't. Have, they should have stopped chasing me. I would have never crashed anybody. Yeah. I I just don't want to go to jail. Like it's why are they doing this? Yeah. So I'm making phone calls, trying to call my family, friends. I don't know nobody's fucking number at this point. Yeah. And I just know my house phone, and they're just like, "What do you What do you want us to do? There's nothing we can fucking do." Yeah. And then yeah, I got booked in, and I had a broken heel or foot, so they can't throw me in general population. At that point, okay, because I need to like recover still or whatever. Yeah, at least that's what they told me. So I was in the infirmary, which is like the the hospital or like where the fools who are injured go. And that jail is fucking weird because I don't know about other jails that I've been to because I've never been to the infirmary there. Yeah, that section. Yeah, but at least in this jail, like you can't see anything. It's just your cell in the hallway. Oh, so I can't see nobody in front of me. Yeah. The only action I see is someone fucking guard walking by. I'm just like, damn, is this like how the whole jail set up? Yeah. So I was like, okay. Um, One man in a cell? Yeah. Okay. I had a big ass bed, like yeah. a hospital bed you could adjust. It was crazy. Oh, this was living <laughs> lavish in that moment. Yeah, I guess the best you can. But I eventually get transferred to general population because I didn't know why I was in there. I thought it was because my heel or whatever. But yeah. come to find out, it's because COVID quarantine. Oh. They're quarantining you for two weeks. Oh, so they did that to everybody? Yeah, everybody gets quarantined. Damn. They have their own pod for that, specifically. But because I was injured, like, they can't put me upstairs on the yeah. tier. You know what I mean? Like, so, yeah, then I get sent back to the infirmary after being there for a couple of days because I guess I didn't get cleared by the doctor there. Okay. And at that point, I got a taste of being in general population. I'm like, let me back out. I got yeah. a little bit of freedom because I don't get to go out at all when I'm in the infirmary. Not so, even for an hour or whatever? Uh, They give you, like... 30 minutes to either shower or use the phone yeah. for every other day. Fuck, bro. It's a lot of counting corners, huh? Yeah, but at that point, I'm coming off of drugs, so I'm just sleeping. So how is it? How is the meth withdrawal Um, physically to your body? I just, from what I remember from that and even before when I didn't have it, you're just, you have no dopamine like going through your brain yeah. like you just have no motivation yeah it's not like physical like opiates where like you fucking skin is it. falling off yeah lungs. it's more yeah. of a mental withdrawal you feel like you need it you feel like you need it but at the end of the day like with meth it wasn't that bad i was more worried about my alcohol because i told them i was drinking alcohol every single day because i was yeah and they're just like okay well maybe you're gonna withdraw from that and that's something that can kill you and to- is, on the top yeah. of that with benzos too Benzos are the same thing. You can die from withdrawing off like Xanax and whatnot. Fuck. So you're mainly sleeping it off. You're not having any like crazy ass dreams, hella vivid. Are you waking up in the middle of the night because your sleep patterns all fucked up? Like what was that first week like as you're drying out? It was right before Christmas. So I didn't even have a idea of what days were what days. Yeah. Like I remember, I think I just told the... uh after a few days being in there, I thought the day was Christmas. So the nurse comes by to check on you, yeah. make sure you're alive and everything. And I'm just like, Merry Christmas. And she just laughs. And I was like, what? And she's like, it's not Christmas today. <laughs> I was like, God damn. And that went on for a couple of weeks. I spent, I think New Year's I spent in there too. So not being able to see a clock. There's yeah. no skylight. Like I. Do you have a window? No. No window? No. So you're only referencing I mean, time? Fu- yeah. Yeah. Outside. It's when the guards would walk by and yeah. you would ask and they'd be like, oh, I'll tell you, like being a dick, like, yeah. oh, give me a minute. Like you get a cool nurse with a watch on them, I'll tell you. But 
at that point, when you first get into jail, all you want to do is get out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, clearly, everybody wants to get out, but like it's amplified at first. So like you're being fucking annoying, and I get it because after being in there for a minute, you'd see like new people come in. What time is it? This? Just stop fucking asking. You don't yeah. even want to know what time it is. Yeah. So you have to get adjusted to the isolation, and then yeah. you spend two weeks in that, mm-hmm. and then you get released into GP, and that lasts for only a few days. Yeah, because then they sent me back because I went in there on crutches. Fuck. So I don't know what it was. They said it was because the doctor didn't clear me. Okay. So then they sent me back. I get a taste of it, and I'm like, I need to get back there. At least I can use the phone and talk to people. Yeah. Like, I don't even know anybody in here, but at least I can, like, have a conversation with somebody. So they sent me back, and at that point, like, my shit's only been broken for a little over a month, and I should still be on crutches. They give me crutches and they're the wrong size like for like a bigger dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I couldn't even really use them. They send me back. They say it's because you can use them as a weapon. So they're like, we don't want you with that in there. And I just have to relearn how to walk in that fucking cell. And I'm in there for like another week just limping, like Shit. trying to prove to them like I don't want to fucking be in here. I'm going to lose my mind in here. Yeah. So. You know what I just realized? You can totally make nunchucks out of crutches if you really wanted to. You'd be pretty. You'd be pretty you you shouldn't. I mean, you've been to jail. You've yeah, seen yeah. what motherfuckers yeah, can yeah, make yeah, in there. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You cut up a shirt. <laughs> bend, the, you bend the crutches enough. You, I'm just doing the math in my head. Like, you could have some nunchucks. <laughs> yeah. That'd be intense. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, what's it like when you finally get into general population? Um, I don't really know what the hell is going on with my case. Yeah. I think I had... Uh, my arraignment, when you first get in there, they read you the charges, they tell you the bail. And then I went back like a month later for my next court date, and that's when it was a different judge from the arraignment. So then he's like, okay, my lawyer wants to do a bail review. Yeah. I think my bail was 100000 at that time. 10% of that is 10000 Yeah. I don't have money. No. I'm fucking on the streets. My parents are going to put that up. Yeah. Which I'm glad they didn't. And... uh I go back to the bail review because they're going to try to OR me. You know what I mean? Yeah. My, my lawyer tries to present to the new judge why I should you're be like, OR'd. Fuck that. The judge gets pissed off. He asked the DA. He said, okay, well, what do you think the bail should be? And the DA's like, um, what did uh, he said? Like 250000 So yeah. it goes up from one hundred to 250000 The judge gets mad at the DA. He's like, what comes first? Number one, public safety. No, that's not what the bail is going to be set at. Yeah. The bail set at no bail. Yeah. Now I don't got bail. Now there's really no hope of getting out. Now yeah. I just got to deal with whatever they're going to give me. And that goes on for from just before Christmas. That's when I got arrested all the way until, what is it? My, I, I had a glimpse. I was supposed to go to prison. I went to go sign my, uh, or I signed my deal. I went to go to sentencing. And then the, the judge was like, hold on, we got to do a probation report. I'm like, what the fuck? I was like, just get me out of here already. I'm tired of fucking county jail. Like, yeah. it's just whatever it takes to get me out of here, I'm ready for it. Like, You're at least you get prison. a little bit more freedom in prison. You know what I mean? I know yeah. it's not as easy, but yeah. I'm going to adapt to whatever I get put in. So, and uh, he's like, okay, let's do a probation report. And I was like, okay. Don't know what the fuck that is, but yeah. I guess I got to wait till next court date. They push it back another month. I'm pissed off. And, uh, I go do the probation report. It's pretty much ask you about the crime, see if you're remorseful. And then they ask you about like your history with drugs, alcohol. They get de- in depth about everything. Yeah. So I tell them my story, which I mentioned, I think in the last episode about my accident in 2017 yeah, yeah. when I got hurt. 
talked about that, talked about where I think I went wrong and yeah. how I got led down that path. The probation officer said he was going to write a good report, but come to find out after I looked at the paperwork when I got released, he he was like, no, it's still California Department of Corrections. Like, that's yeah. where he needs to go. And uh, got a lot of people writing support letters and shit for me. So let me let me pause you right there. G, I'm going to go to you. What are you thinking? You find out he's in jail. You find out the backstory of the whole high-speed chase, a wreck. What are you thinking now about him? Um, fuck, he's about to sober up. Literally. It was a penitentiary um, ever cross your mind for him? Uh, it did, because, I mean, it did get brought up, in the, obviously, in court and shit. Yeah. But it, thank God it didn't happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was just a lot of, I don't want to say doubt, but it was just, like, worry. Yeah. You know? Um, Is a part of you relieved? Yeah, big time. Yeah. Yeah, big time. That sucks to say, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, because now he's where he needs to be. Exactly. Yeah. Can't access anything. <laughs> If he is, it's going to be expensive and it's going to come out of somebody's ass. Yeah. And he ain't trying to do all that. Okay, so what's what's everybody else talking about as he's in jail in regard to him? Are people having the same shared feeling you are? Relief, but also worry? Yeah, yeah. That's literally everyone's thought process. You know, okay. this fool's going to get better, but at the same time, you know, he's still in there. Like, shit could still go down. Yeah. He's going to have to learn some hard lessons. Then. Yeah, yeah in a that's sense, how we got to do. Real <laughs> talk. Yeah. Um, yeah, everyone was just trying to, you know, keep the best hopes for him. Now, are people writing him letters, sending him money? Yeah. What kind of support's coming out of the crew? Uh, letters for sure. I mean, I know a couple, couple of closer friends of the homies you yeah. know, that were definitely writing him letters for support. Um, I'm definitely, you know, putting packages on his fucking yeah. books and shit. You know, a lot of the closer people that really fucked with him, you yeah. know, definitely supported him. Okay, now let's go back to you. G about you were getting these letters. What was a but what was the first letter that came in or went out? Like what was the first letter that started it all off? Did you write the first letter or did you get the first letter? I I wrote a lot of letters and there's a lot of people with good intentions when you go to jail. Yeah. I mean, I don't blame them because they're picking up the phone and that's what means a lot to me too. Yeah, definitely. But the letters, I'm not gonna lie, there's a lot of people who said, I got you, don't even trip. Like I'm gonna send you some pictures. Yeah. And I'd have to hound him for it yeah. and hound him and hound him. And then it ended up being only uh, my homegirl from the Bay was the only person to send me pictures aside from my mom. Yeah. So I, it, there's a, it's easy to get let down and disappointed in there. Definitely. But I don't expect a lot because at the same time, like. You put yourself there. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, what do you, what do you really expect of at the end of the day? But to everybody else who maybe said they're going to write a letter but didn't. They're answering the phone. They're still doing something. You know what I mean? They're putting money on my books. So, like, there's no bad blood or hard feelings with any of that. It's just, I think in the time I was a lot, or let down a lot more with the people I was hanging out with at the time. Because you thought you had a bond with them. Yeah. Yeah. And then come to find out, like, these motherfuckers aren't around. Not Uh, even a little bit. No, not at all. Now, let's talk about who was around. You you can name names or not. You Mm -hmm. know, it's really up to you. But, like. Were there were the people who you expected to be around? Did like did they let you down? Aside from the new other addicts you're meeting that you're running around with, but your core group of friends you started graffiti with, where are they at in all this? They're putting money on my books. Um, 
I mean, I'm not going to lie. I kind of cut communication off with a lot of my good homies. So mm-hmm. at that point, it's I feel awkward calling out to them. You should feel awkward. Yeah, for sure. 100%. Yeah. I put myself there. Yeah. And it's just like I eventually kind of get in communication with them and shit. And they're supporting me throughout the whole thing. Showing up to my court dates for me. Just like being there. Just being a homie. If I'm not mistaken, wasn't Rue at a lot of the court dates? Yeah, he was the only one at my sentencing court date. And that was before um, I figured out I wasn't going to prison later down the road. But that initial sentencing court date, he was the only one in there. He got to video of me fucking. (laughs) Yeah, I've never seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, let me pause that and go to you with this. Rue goes, gets the information on what's happening. Obviously, you hear about it in some kind of way. Was prison on the table at that point? Uh, it got mentioned that that specific time it got mentioned. Okay. What 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 was it mentioned? Like what did, what did they say? You know, he went to court. It, it got thrown in the air. It was obviously his sentencing hearing, but a couple years. What was it? three? Okay. What are you thinking when you think about him in prison for three years? Fuck! When I hear that, I'm just like, goddamn! I'm yeah. A good friend of mine's about to be sitting down for three years, like. Damn, that's three years now. That's 365 times, you know, three. And we're not talking about he's going to a sober living camp. He's (laughs) going to the fucking penitentiary. You could call it a sober living camp. (laughs) No, it is not. No, he's going to a very rough place. Yeah. All right. Now, let's go back to you, G, with your story. You hear the word prison being mentioned. You hear that term being thrown around. Mm -hmm. Are you just like, fuck it, I deserve it, let's go? Or are you just like, oh my God, no? Like, what are your thoughts when you first hear that? Though That terrifies me. Like, <clears throat> I didn't, I knew I knew of people and I know people who have been to prison Yeah. prior to me getting arrested, mm-hmm. but I never looked into it like that. Yeah. So I never did my, my homework on it. I knew what it was. I knew that you hear about like Folsom, you hear about San Quentin, yeah. all these places. And- I knew it wasn't where I wanted to go, but at that time, I was just never did my research on it. Come to find out later down the road, when I get out, I'm like, okay, well, I want to learn a little bit more about prison life and everything. Yeah. And it, a lot of it's the shit that you hear about. It's yeah. just really real. Are you going back to the dorm after your court dates? You living in a dorm or so? So. Okay, but you're still coming out with everybody else, right? Yeah, it's... There's, it's, there's no windows at this jail. Oh. so Wait, I don't, this is during COVID too, huh? Yeah. So on top of that, like, you're not getting a lot of movement because of COVID. Like, normally, okay. like, okay, it's yeah. it's rec time. Everybody comes out. Yeah, yeah. No, now they're breaking it up into tiers. And on top of that, if, you, if we get in trouble, too many write-ups in the whole yeah. pod, then they break it up into quads. So, like, eight cells at a time goes, yeah. okay, well, now you got to divide that up for everybody to get out. We get like 45 minutes in the morning and like 45 minutes at night Yeah. versus anywhere else in the jail or pre-COVID where you'd be out all day. And is everybody just door talking at that point? You know, like yeah. pushing the door talking to the gap? Yeah, pretty much. So, um, I guess a little bit. I don't know. I was I just. Asked, I asked that because everybody's a lawyer in, in jail. Everybody oh, yeah. knows it's going to happen next with your case way better than you do. Oh, they yeah. They know exactly what's going to happen. Right? Uh-huh. So were you getting a lot of that? And was that fucking with you? Yeah. So, I mean, maybe not necessarily the lawyer, but there was a lot of talk of programs. 
Oh, okay. Who you got? Drug history. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, nah, you, you'll be able to go to a program. Don't even trip. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little joke. Me and the homie, uh, my boy Frank, he got out. We still in contact. He's a good dude. But uh, it was like a joke going around because at one point, me and him were getting hyped up. They're like, yeah. Salvation Army. All you got to do is sign up and they'll yeah. release you out next week. Yeah, 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 <laughs> so yeah. like that was a joke after we figured out that was bullshit. We got our acceptance letter yeah. and we're not getting out. <laughs> we're like, okay, what the fuck? So then like the new guys come in. We're like, hey, bro, we'll get you out next week. Yes. Give me a couple soups. You know what I mean? Like, I'll, I'll point you down the right path. <laughs> Trying to hustle the info. <laughs> yeah, you got to do what you got to do. Get out next week. You get one of these. Like. <laughs> <laughs> all right so what's what's your lifestyle like what no what's your day like in jail for the people in the audience who haven't been to jail let's talk about it right what time do you wake up um you know woken up uh, like four forty-five. Yeah. to kind yeah. of wake you up for breakfast yeah it's and during we- it's during covid though so you got to eat through your slot you don't get to come out to the tables Okay, what are you eating for breakfast? Like a, a plate of flapjacks and some freshly squeezed orange juice? What kind of things? T-bone steak. No. T-bone steak, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> nah, just bullshit. Either cereal or... God, what was a big one? Like grits or just... Yeah. It just... Breakfast was the worst. It was, yeah. Did they at least have the fruit? Yeah. Okay. So, all right. That's- what do you? What's, what's your program after that? What do you do for the rest of the day after you eat? You go back to sleep? Um, it depends because, so like I said, it was on tier time. So top comes out, bottom comes out. Okay. They got to rotate you out throughout the day. Yeah. So one day you're coming out from seven thirty in the morning after count to 11 for, and then you lock down for lunch. And then on that same day, the top will come out after lunch and then you're in there till, what is it? 7.15 to 8.15. So you get an hour at night and like three in the morning. And then that'll rotate. The following day, you'll get out from noon or whatever, one o'clock to four. And then from 8.30 to 10 at night. So I don't know. I like the, the later shift better, I guess, in a sense, because I like to be out later. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know. It just nobody's out in the mornings. You know what I mean? A little, yeah. People are lazy coming off of drugs in jail. Like, you're not going to really chop it up with anybody when you come out at 7.30 in the morning. Are you seeing people getting released that would normally have to stay there due to COVID? No. They're keeping everybody on. Yeah. Well, what kind of uh, what kind of place were you in? What, like classification were you in? Just general population. They had like uh, the pod next to us was like the prison pod, which is like yeah. if you've been to prison before you go there. But there was fools who've been to prison that were in our pod just because... Maybe it was full over there, whatever yeah. reasons. It's just they classify you just based off of your charges and everything. Yeah. All right. So what happens toward the end of the case getting sorted out? Oh no, first off, how long were you in jail for during your while you're fighting all this? Um <clears throat> before Christmas in December to when I got August or like the very end of July. Okay. So like Probably like eight months. Now, during this eight month stay, when do you finally start to feel normal from the drug use or a new sense of normal? Um, probably when I put my weight back on. I mean, I can't think. It's, it's like the sense of time kind of goes yeah, away yeah. in there just because there's no fucking windows. There's no yeah. this, that. But I would say after a few months. 
but my criminal be thinking definitely was still like amplified like throughout most of it even more so because you're in there with people who know things you don't know Oh, yeah, dude. We had our fucking composition books, and we're getting put on game like, hey, shoot that fool some soups. He's going to some credit cards, some shit, shit. You know what I mean? What are some of the things you're learning about that you're just like, oh, that's valuable? Um, I learned a lot about counterfeiting. I learned a lot about a lot of it, though, looking back on it, you're in there with junkies. Most people in jail are fucking drug addicts. And at first, you can fucking... lie to some people and they're gonna believe it yeah yeah or i mean a lot of the stories i heard in there and like little ways to make money i believe it but looking back on it with a sober mind like you know how stupid that is or you know how like <laughs> fool that's why you're in jail right now dog like <laughs> let's be real that was one thing somebody i saw when uh, and somebody else pointed out too is like everybody's a criminal mastermind and everybody's a lawyer in jail and they know exactly mm-hmm. how to not get caught mm-hmm. and it's like well, then why the fuck are they in jail? Ah, uh, his baby mama was driving. She yeah, had one, yeah. like, it was just a mix-up. We were leaving the casino. Yeah, you know yeah. what happens. It wasn't my fault. It would have been straight. Okay, so you start to get a clear head again. You're putting weight back on. When do you realize you're actually going to get out of jail? What was the circumstances around that? Um, <clears throat> I guess not too long after the... Because I went to sentencing in February, then... Came back in March, and that's when they did the review of the probation report. But at that time, I had friends and family write letters and everything for me, okay. just character reference and everything. And then while the judge is reviewing all that, he's reviewing this. Yeah. And he's like, okay, well, okay, let's put this into consideration and everything else. So then for a while, months, more months go by until like, I think May, a few months go by, and he's just like, Okay, well, maybe we can um, have him get probation and uh, a county sentence. Now, let's talk about these character reference letters. What does that mean for the audience who doesn't know? Uh, Character reference letters just kind of like pretty much highlight the good in you. You know what I mean? mean, You're not going to really talk about the bad somebody's done in their past, but just show them that, hey, this dude's not as bad as a person as the actions and choices he was making in life. He's just going down the wrong path and he needs to straighten his shit out. But at the same time, I don't think it's over for him. I don't think he's unredeemable. Are you able to hear these letters read a lot in court or is this something the judge is doing on his own time? He's reading um, to himself. Okay. And how are you knowing people wrote letters? Uh, my mom would tell me. She would be like, okay. Um, Cause I would call people every day. Like, yeah. Oh, what's going on? This, this and that. And then, for example, uh, Seamer, shout out Seamer. He fucking, I called him just to be in touch with him. Yeah. And he's like, is there anything I can do for you? Yeah. And I was like. Get a helicopter, get a rope. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, I was like, well, if you're down and his wife's in the background. Yeah. Super dope person. And they're just like, here, like, let's type this shit up. We'll have them email it over, give it to your parents so they can bring it to the court. So I had him and then just other family friends that I grew up with in Dixon. Just write good letters about me. So that was one thing I wanted to highlight before we moved on to the next subject was the fact that graph played a part in getting you to where into this part of the story. Yeah. A certain type of graph, but there's also the graph people you started out with who knew who you were before the drug use. They knew the whole story and they could see, you know, the way out for you. 
you know, and they even enough to take time to go to your sentencing, write letters, send you packages, you know, like people understand who you are. And I think that's one of the most valuable things about the graffiti culture is you get a real gauge of who this person is. Yeah. You're not in it for money together. There's no outside other influences. Like you spend a lot of time with these people and you really get to know who they are. And yeah. a lot of the friendships and graph last a lifetime. Yeah. So I really wanted to just point that out before we moved on, that everybody is still around and they're part of the reason why you're sober today. Yeah. So after the judge, what was the actual conclusion of the whole sentencing? You're not going to prison. So what does that mean? Um, he granted probation. Okay. But there's still going to be some time that I, I think it happened in like the end of May or maybe beginning of June. And he said, okay, well, I'm going to sentence you to was it like 14 or 16 months, but then you do half of that. Okay. So that's like eight months. Yeah. With time so, served. Yeah. Okay. So then that was that. And I was like, cool. But he still wanted to do a review because the whole thing with me taking this deal was I need to um, go to a program. So they're like, okay, we'll figure out what program he's going to go to. We don't just want to fucking release him. You know what I mean? And him yeah. go fucking dip off. But the next court date comes back and we're like, okay, we've been looking into programs. But the only thing is they need to do an intake for him. And all these places, they don't allow you to do it over a jail phone. Yeah. You have to be present to do the yeah. intake. So at that point, I think I still had like three more weeks to do, but I was just at my review at my court and the judge was like, all right, um, I'd like to, because uh, he like went off the record for a minute and talked to us. Yeah. And Okay, I'd like to go back on the record. Um, we're going to edit the imposed sentence to however many days to that day that was. Mm-hmm. And then, so I'll be released that day. So I was, I didn't know I was getting out that day. I was like, Oh shit, I'm going home today. Yeah. Cause he wanted me to go do the intake so I could get moving on that. So what's that process like after you find out you're about to get out, you go back to the, to this, to the tier. And what do you, what happens next? Do you go back to the tier? Or they, they just let you out at they, that they, point they after, after I got sentenced, I guess the first time yeah, without getting resentenced, um, I go over to minimum security, so that's a dorm. Okay. So then, not, then I'm in with everybody else. You know what I mean? You can kind of roam freely. Yeah. And uh, it was the process of getting back from court is what took a while because the minimum security part of the jail is technically like you you got to walk outside, you got to yeah. go all the way over there. So I'm just really in the holding tank below the the courthouse and shit, just like waiting and waiting and waiting. I'm just kind of just like blankly staring. And then the people I was with, they're like, you good? I was like, yeah, yeah, I guess I'm going home today. Like, I yeah. was like, kind of like in awe. And I had a warrant out of Sacramento County, I think. And that got taken care of. For whatever reason, the judge was like, we're just going to give you a promise to appear on that. So, so an out got of, you a fat break. Yeah. The out of county judge was like, I'm going to give you a promise to appear for this county. Yeah. And it ended up being a misdemeanor. It wasn't anything crazy like what I was dealing with over there, but. So you get released that day. Mm-hmm. Are you worried they're going to change their mind and they're going to be like, never mind. Like, what are you thinking as you're, you know, you go through all the hours it takes to get released out of jail? Um, I think I got back from court at like two or three. Okay. And then I got released before, or was it 
before dinner at four. So, really? Yeah. So then they're like, they called me up and they're like, okay, like pack your shit up. Don't give out any of your extra clothes. Like yeah. all this shit, you can give your food away. But, and then the whole time I'm just like, nah, there ain't no way that he can do that. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, there ain't no way weird. that he could fucking give, grant me yeah. a promise to appear for a different county. How does he have that they're authority? But, up, but yeah. they do have that authority, but it's just my mind doesn't know how to believe that. Yeah. Cause you see all this shit happen when you're in jail to the homies you meet in there and you're just like, you think the worst about the court system and mm-hmm. the judicial system and everything. You're just like, nah, there's only one way and it's horrible. Yeah. That's why people be tripping before they go to court. And we learned a lot in my class. I mean, but yeah. So you get out that first day, mom and dad pick you up. Yeah. They waited for me after. Oh, they waited for you after. Yeah. And what do you, what do you do after that? Do you go eat? Do you go home? What's the first move? Yeah. I had to find them at first. Cause they were waiting for me in the main part of the jail. Okay. And I was in the minimum security, so I got let off over there. And I'm walking out. I'm like, where the fuck? I see her car, so I'm yeah. like, I know she's here. And I go give them a hug, and then we're we're on the way home. And they're just like, what do you want to eat? This, this, and that. And I remember um, I, like, acted like it wasn't that big of a deal because I was trying to be cool about it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, oh, this ain't nothing. You know what yeah. I mean? But, I mean, in reality, it was a big deal. You know what I mean? It was a major deal. You got a break, bro. Yeah. You should have went to the penitentiary. You should, well... First off, you hit fucking hella cars, right? Yeah. And with a broken leg, that's wild. <laughs> you live this whole crazy ass lifestyle for a bit. You do hella shit that you should have paid for, that you did like you got like a third chance and I'm paying for it in a different way, but no, you, in a good way. You are, but what I'm saying is like you you got away with murder basically. Cause you didn't have to pay for everything you did. But I also see how before you learn all the, the, the mental coping skills because how you can't recognize that. Yeah. Because you don't understand the process of some of this stuff. Now, what happens as you're acting like like the car ride home? Do you go eat? Do you go? I wasn't hungry. I remember like I should have been, but, but like it was just like that moment. You know what I mean? It's just like you hear that a lot of people who get released like the day before they're getting out of prison and, and like they anticipating the day's coming and it's here. They're like, I didn't eat the day before that yeah. night. I couldn't sleep. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily the sleeping part with me because you didn't get a chance to go to sleep. Yeah. But it was definitely the eating part. I was like, all right, I saw on TV, there's a strawberry frosty at Wendy's now. I guess I'll get that. Yeah. <laughs> I remember like you see the dumbest shit on TV and you're like, that looks so good. Yeah. And it's like junk food. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so they stop and grab you a frosty then. Yeah. When we got back to town, this full. Just got out with hella inmates. He's eating the strawberry frosty. Yeah. Now, what's the first phone call you make? Um, my phone wasn't on, so. What? Right. Okay, it was the first person you communicated with. Um, outside. Every, everybody dad. knew because my mom was in contact with all my real good homies. Oh, you know okay. what I mean? So okay. Uh, I think I'm. What Facetimed uh, Ruko, and then he pulled up with Supa. They bought me a brand new pair of shoes, yeah, yeah, Air yeah. Maxes, and some yeah. clothes and shit. And they're like, "Come on, let's go eat." And I remember we went to Cattleman's and that was cool. Yeah. But I still wasn't that hungry. I mean, I ate it all out of respect. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm super grateful for it. But I remember I wasn't that hungry, like looking back on it. When you're on the car ride to Cattleman's with them, what's the conversation about? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it wasn't that long of a drive, but... Uh, be smooth. Whatever you do, <laughs> that, just be right smooth. Now, be like, smooth. <laughs> yeah, these fools. Nah, they're hundred percent supporting me. Like, we're glad you're out. We're glad you're healthy. We want you to stay this way and shit. And 
Just do whatever it takes to keep keep up. Are you feeling like you have to apologize to anybody? Are you feeling remorseful at all? Or are you still in shock that all this is going on? Um, it, it crept up on me later. The okay. the feeling bad for all like the shitty things I've ever done. Yeah, because I I learned about this being in treatment. Mm-hmm. So, so let's let's put a pen in your story. Let's go to you, G. What do you he you find out he's getting out? Did you find out that same day? Yeah. And what did you think? Relief. Yeah. Yeah. No fear. Um. Like maybe he might go back to the same bullshit. Fear, yeah, but the path that he was on, you know, trying to get yeah into a program, yeah, I already know how he is. If he's set on something, he's gonna go through with it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I was wasn't worried too much that you know, I'm in a sense, I was worried about if he was gonna go kick it with those same friends again. Yeah, yeah. Or you know that same crowd. Yeah. Okay, so you go eat, you go home. Do you go home or do you go stay out? Like which? Nah, my mom was tripping. Yeah, she's like, boy, say, you better. <laughs> yeah. She already knows yeah. ruin everything super. Yeah, so yeah. she's just like, I know I can trust them, but like, I just don't want, I want him yeah. to hold on to him and never yeah, let him yeah. go. So it was just, uh, it was cool. Out of respect, we came back right away. What's the next, no, what's that night like? Do you go straight to sleep in your own bed? Are you fucking tripping? Because you don't, you don't get time to th- anticipate getting out. Mm-hmm. You just get out. Um. It felt good to be in a bed. Um, my mom was like, why do you keep shutting your door? You're not in a fucking cell. You don't got to do that. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't know. Yeah. But I guess I, I still to this day, I shut my door when I'm in my room. But regardless, um, I still have my busted asshole phone. So I'm just like, it's off, but I'm on Wi-Fi. So that's all I give a fuck about. Because yeah. like, I don't know. I've always been on social media, at least Instagram and everything. So it's like cool to be back on it. Yeah. When you open up the DMs for your old Instagram, oh. is there a lot of shit there? <laughs> the pages. Hey, pages. you still got paint for sale, this, yeah, this, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, all of a sudden, like, hella, like, tags and shit just yeah. on there. And then just, like, I started, like, reading all the posts when I was locked up. People yeah, yeah. tagged me, you know, for you. Yeah. So I was just, like, right on. How was that to see that people still want to keep, you know, the idea of you around? Yeah. Um. It was good. I mean, I'm not going to lie. A lot of these people on Instagram, I don't really know like that. But, okay. But it's cool to see that I've never even met you in your life and you maybe from a different state, but you're still a fan yeah. of my art or whatever. Yeah. And you're still supporting me, even if it's just verbally saying it. It's cool to know that you were thought of. No, it is. And that's that's pretty awesome. And that's one of the reasons why your story to me at this point is super valuable because you still have all that influence. Yeah. You know, but the fact that you're on a different track is like, it's amazing. It's not, I don't want to say amazing because I don't, I'm not amazed that you are doing that. I'm not surprised. You know, it's just like, I just think it's dope. I'm surprised. What happens? (laughs) (laughs) When does the program come into play and what exactly is the program? It's, um, at first I was just like, okay, well, is this like an inpatient program? Like, what do I have to do? Like those 30, 60, 90 days. Yeah. At that point, when I first, did intake and everything i the judge said he wanted up to one year program so anything up to a year okay if, if they deem me ready after 90 days that's cool or whatever it takes yeah i do intake and they're like okay well you're sober you've been sober for eight nine months now you know what yeah. i mean like you don't need to be an inpatient that's more like detox and everything so 
they're like, okay, well, you're going to be in uh, IOP, intensive outpatient. And uh, I was like, right on. Okay, well, when does this start? They're like, tomorrow. And I'm like, fuck, I don't even get a break. Okay, how often? <laughs> <laughs> five days a week? Yeah. Okay, well, this fucking five days a week. Well, at least I get to go home every night. So I'm yeah. super grateful for that. But yeah, it, it just intensive outpatient. Now, the difference between outpatient and inpatient is inpatient is when you stay at a facility for 30 to 90 days. You kind of just go through a structured program. A lot of dudes are straight off the street going into a program like that. So there is an intense change in their state of mind and their mood and how they deal with other people. So this is a safe place to go through all of that. Outpatient is when you deal with all that stuff at home and you come in at a structured time, you run a program. When I did the outpatient stuff, I would come in in the morning, take my methadone. Um, then I would have to see a counselor once a week for the first 90 days. And I got a really good relationship with my counselor that really cemented and set the foundation for the rest of my outpatient program, right? <clears throat> and so from there, you, I got take-homes. I got to do... Every weekend, I'd get to stay home with my family versus coming in. But mm -hmm. the first 90 days was super intense because the first month, you're just learning how to redo everything. Just getting up in the morning and getting out of bed is extremely hard, mm -hmm. especially when... The, I could only imagine yeah. what you had to go through because I got to sober up somewhere else or at yeah. least... See, and I when I did it, it was like it was opiates, so the mm -hmm. body stuff, yeah. the skin falling off, like, you it's know, real. that was real. And like... The first 30 days after that, it was every morning. Even if that wouldn't happen to me, I would have the anxiety as if it was about to happen. Like, I, it was weird. So up until I'd get that medicine, I'd take that medicine, and then it would make me vomit. But I knew I had to keep it down for at least 15 minutes for it to stay in my system. So that was a weird 30 days, dude. I remember mm -hmm. that just sucked. But <clears throat> it does get easier. Yeah. The more you do it, the more routine. And... The good thing about all that struggle is you learn more about yourself. You're Big not going to crack. You're not going to break. So you understand, too, like you can go harder than you've ever gone before. Yeah. You know, because of these programs bring things out of you. Mm -hmm. What are some of the first days of that uh, outpatient program that you are doing? <clears throat> the group is really small. It's me and I think one or one or two other people. So it was like three of us in total on the my counselor, Steve, and... uh I was just kind of like, okay, what is this? I've never, yeah. I've never been to an NAA meeting. I've never been yeah. to any type of treatment before. Yeah. I actually, I did go for like Kaiser. I remember I was like, yeah. I think a, a I did it a, a previous court yeah. date, like I had like from years back when yeah. I was just starting to do coke. I was like, okay, well, if I tell them I'm doing a like a little yeah. self help groups, maybe they'll go lighter on me. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so I joined the program and. Uh, the first few days were kind of weird. It felt awkward. Yeah. Out of place and everything. And at that point, I was still on the fence. I'm not going to lie. I was still on the fence about what I wanted to do. Okay, let me just get off probation and then see where this shit takes me. Yeah. I wasn't really... I was kind of closed-minded for sure. Yeah, you just came out of hella criminals, bro. Yeah. Dealing with all them and then, you know, the homies have a different way of living too. So... Yeah. There's definitely options. Mm-hmm. How was it? Did you go home for the weekends, right? I mean, it's, you, you went home I go every night, though. Every day. Yeah. So it's like two, three hours a day. So and Medi-Cal Medi pays for my ride there and from. So they'll send me a lift. 
to go there and then send it back because it's not where yeah. I live at. So, And so the first weekend you were out, you got to have to yourself, correct? You didn't have to go to no program or was it seven um, I did the intake like two weeks after I got out. Okay. So it wasn't immediately. So okay. I did have a little free time. It was mostly just really being at home. I meant the only people who would really, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Some of the people who I would actively use with writers and shit, I still care about them, but uh, it's just, they, they would pull up and it wasn't the same. Yeah, it can be. And I got brought, I went back out to Oakland to go paint and it wasn't the same seeing everybody. I was just like disgusted with myself. Like, how did I let myself get to that? Yeah. And then at some points I was like, how can I help them? But then after a while, it was just like, I got to help myself. I can't, I can't save them. You can only save me. The best help you can give somebody else, bro, is to lead by example. Yeah. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Mm. If you make the decision to be the best person you can be, everything else falls into line. Mm-hmm. What's the What's the first week? You've experienced this program for an entire five days now. You see what the structure of it's going to be. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling about it? Um. Well, <clears throat> like I said, at that point, I'm still new to it, and I go to my first one-on-one with my counselor, and he's like, "Hi, I'm going to be your the group facilitator, but I'm also going to be your primary counselor. Um, we're going to meet once a week on Fridays, and we're going to come up with a treatment plan and everything what you need. And when they first tell you that, Medi-Cal only pays in like 90-day increments. Yeah. So, okay, so my counselor's like, we're going to set you up with a 90-day treatment plan. Yeah. So instantly my brain goes 90 days. Oh, this is nothing. It's good. I'm just going to do what I got to do and I'll be done with it. And come to find out later on, that's just how Medi-Cal pays it out. You're in that program deemed until they find you fit. You know what I mean? So I've been in there a lot longer than 90 days. (laughs) Can you describe your counselor to me? Have you had the same counselor the entire time? Yeah, Steve. Steve is, I consider him a good friend of mine now. Um, He's taught me every tool that I got in my bag now to help me stay sober and everything. And at this point, he's trying to open up more doors for me, maybe even with employment and opportunities because he sees something in me. So what were your first honest thoughts of Steve? Now, Steve, forgive us if this is not a good answer, but it is an (laughs) honest answer, Steve. So what were your first thoughts of Steve? Um, I liked him. I did. Okay, good. Um, I think there's a a little intimidation just because he's he's lived it. He had 30 years of meth addiction. He went to prison for, what, nine years or something. Oh, so okay. he's he sees something in me. You know what Is I mean? Steve he's Steve tatted up? Nah, not like that. Was When you say Steve went to prison, was Steve, did he go to prison or was Steve in prison? Oh, yeah. He's in San Quentin. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, so Steve's with the shit is what we're talking about. Yeah. He, okay. he lived a life. Yeah. And that's what it's cool. Whenever somebody new comes in, he introduces himself. He's like, hey. Right off the bat, I want to let you guys know that I'm no different than you guys. I've, yeah. I've lived everything you guys have done, been to yeah. places that you might not ever even go in your life. Yeah. So. Now, you sit down with that first meeting with him, and he talks about a treatment plan. Mm-hmm. Did you know what a treatment plan was before that? No. Okay. So a treatment plan is when you basically schedule out the things you want to achieve and how you're going to achieve that, mm-hmm. right? So what were some of the main things you wanted to put on your treatment plan to be addressed while you're there with them? Um, <clears throat> I was so new to it and I honestly didn't yeah. know about any of it. I was just like, 
what do you think? Yeah. Like, yeah. We'll kind of put it, put the ball in your court. Like, yeah. what do you recommend? He's like, okay, well, you need to get a TB test. You need to do this. You need to do that. I want you to learn, recognize shit about your criminal behavior and everything. Because at first, I mean, I still do like to joke around, but I think that's a coping mechanism for myself is humor when yeah, I feel is. when I it feel is. uneasy. Yeah. And, uh, but he was giving me, we had to do role play and everything in there. And like, he, I told him my story, you know, I stole cars. So he's like, okay, for your role play, you're going to see some dude in a fucking Corvette and he fucking leaves it running outside the liquor store and you're walking by. What do you do? Checking and then I, I had to do two, I had to do two outcomes. I had to do yeah. one. Like that, and I had to do another one. And yeah. he he does a role play skit pretty good. He's like fucking around. I was like, excuse me, sir, I found these keys on the ground. Yeah, this, yeah. this, and that. And he's playing it off like the dude's a dick. He's like, what the fuck? You got my keys, bro? <laughs> like, <laughs> it, was, it was good. But, and I think with him being my counselor, and it sounds like you had a similar story, you, yeah. you got to make a connection you do, yeah. with him. And it's, it's, and it's dope. And that's what opened me up to being more open. To the program because I think if I got anybody else, if you just gave me a pin and put on a video and told me learn this shit, nah. I'm not. I'm not. There's a certain type of intensity you have to have when dealing with people like us who aren't gonna believe what you tell them. Mm-hmm. First, we're gonna look at what you're not saying. Yeah, and we're gonna try to look at your body language and read in between. You know what I'm saying? So there's there's gotta be a certain level of intensity that people can just see and recognize right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Now, that's why I asked, was did Steve go to prison or was he in fucking prison? Because there's there's a difference. Yeah. You know, he could have been Christian in prison. And that's that's a whole nother thing versus some dude on the mainline program. Yeah. So you have to understand who you're dealing with in order to judge how you're going to respect the information and everything they're delivering you. Yeah. So that was something that I saw, too, in, in multiple counselors. My first counselor, chick named Lori Butler, I think it was. I think she's married now. But- I was just like, I'm in withdrawal because you got to be in withdrawal in order for the methadone to stick to the little receptors. Mm. So like I'm in there trying not to die. And she hands me a trash can, tells me her name. She's like, if you need to puke, go ahead and puke. The bathroom's over there. You know, I've done it all. You know, and she just lays out the whole disgusting part of, you know, opiate withdrawal. She's like, so if you need to do that, you just get up and go do it. Mm. And when you come back, whack like nothing happened. And I'm just like, (laughs) oh, this is kind of cool. Like. You know, I don't feel so awkward now. And then we start talking about who she is and what she did. And by the time I was done talking with her, I felt like I had just sat with one of my aunts for a while. She had that roughness around the edges, mm-hmm. you know, but she also understood what it meant to go forward. Yeah. And how to go there. That was the main thing. She understood the game plan. We do the treatment and all that. And like there came probably 90 days to, I don't know, like, I don't know, maybe six months, she moves on to better opportunities. And I get a counselor who is just all about showing up for the check. And I was just like, yo, I don't even feel the same in my process anymore. Like, what the fuck is going on? And finally, it clicked one day. I'm like, dude, I need that that one-on-one support if I'm going to survive this. Mm-hmm. And I sought somebody out. And that was very dramatic to learn, though, because there was like, there's a process to getting a counselor, especially if you're going to switch and you're in a state-sponsored system. Mm-hmm. You don't get to just switch because you asked for it. Like, you you still have to stay sober in between all those challenges. Yeah. So it's very important that you get with somebody who really understands what's going on right off the bat because it helps you to be the best you possible. Support system is extremely important in the beginning. What are some of the things you and Steve finally get to, like, you start to make headway 
right? You start to make, <clears throat> you start to understand things. Yeah. Mainly a lot of the shit you fucked up on. Yeah. What are some of those conversations like? You don't got to get into details, but maybe just give an example about a time you realized one key trait of your personality is playing a very big role in a lot of the negative decisions you make. Key trait in my person, I'm hard-headed. Um, I know that plays a big part, big, big part. I'm stubborn. I don't want to, I don't want to hear it. And then then you throw drugs into all that yeah. and I'm just a fucking, I don't want to hear it. I'm very impatient. I've been learning how to be patient too, which is a really good trait to have because before, if you weren't around and I wanted to go somewhere, I'll leave. And then you'll call me like, where'd you go? Like, I'm not waiting for you. Yeah. How did you figure out? How'd you come to that conclusion? Was that through conversations? Was that through? Um, I remember during my intake, um, they asked you so many questions. Mm-hmm. Like it's like a two-hour intake, so yeah. they're asking you questions that you may not even understand why they're asking them to. Yeah. But in in their eyes, they got a system worked out to like you say yes to yeah. so many questions. Like okay, he's probably very irritable or he has depression or he has this or he has that. So they were able to kind of navigate through and see some shit that even I didn't see. But I mean, at that point I knew I was irritable and I knew that I was impatient. So I didn't go ahead. I was just, I didn't know how to go and do anything about it, but I was aware that that was a trade I had. So when did it finally click for you in them counseling sessions that like you can change the person you are um it, it was a mix of the counseling sessions and that it was just like the one um i guess after the program i just go home and i just sit on my phone and be bored and this and that and then all i could do is just wonder what the fuck my future holds yeah because he would drill me on it he's like yeah like i got a suspended prison sentence right now if i fuck up He's like, that can be your deterrent to not use drugs. But when that goes away, what are you going to do? Yeah. And I really sat and thought about that. What am I going to do when that shit goes away? Am I going to go right back to it? And then I really just started having like deep thoughts and conversations with myself in my head. Like, what the fuck am I going to do? Like coming up on 30 in a few years, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. do I want to be a fucking loser? A no job, like no house, fucking bucket ass car sometimes not even that like just yeah. a straight bum and i was like i don't think i want to do that i was getting tired of it and then i started hanging around the old homies who i'd kick it with and even meeting new people who are super supportive of me yeah and they're just like you can do anything you put your mind to if you really want it so i was just like that's right what are some of the things you're doing in your free time aside from just being on your phone i mean you're still out painting right? yeah lightweight um Especially even more recently, I, I've definitely slowed down a lot. Like yeah. maybe like once every couple, like every other weekend. But yeah, definitely when I first got out, I was hitting everybody up like, "What's up?" Like, I'm trying to go to the bank, go paint. Yeah. But that slowly wore down on me because I was just even if I wasn't intentionally going out to hang out with people I, that used to use. Yeah. With me, I would end up being around them, and I just didn't like it. It just wasn't. It wasn't the same. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't want to be around this shit. I shouldn't be around it anyways because I'm jeopardizing my sobriety yeah. by being around that. So after like a month or two, I was just like kind of burnt out of it. And then it's just being at home a lot. It really is. Um, just I would 
I look forward to going to my program every day. I really do every morning. So it's something. And now I'm looking forward to getting a job because now it's coming to an end. So I'm just like, okay, well, at least I can work and shit and make some money and try to do something with my life now. Tell me about this getting a job. What Mm -hmm. What does that mean? What job are you getting? Or possibly getting or what's... Yeah. So it's on the table. Uh, my counselor brought up to me. He said, hey. He's like, I don't really offer this to everybody. But he's like, I think that you're a good fit. Because I'm really... He says that I'm really good at talking to people and like yeah. communicating with them and shit. And he was, like, yeah. he was like, okay, well, let's... Uh, he's like, it's, it's up to you. He's like, but it's on the table and I'll put in a good word for you if you want to apply for the program I work at. And I was like, wow. And like... He said it one day kind of quickly in the hallway yeah. during break as I walked by. He was like, yeah, me and the like the head guy were talking good things about you. And then that just it put like a little warmth in my heart. I was like, damn, that's dope. And I didn't say anything about it, though. Yeah, That was that. And then I remember like a few days go by and I was sitting at home thinking about it. I was just like, huh, I wonder if I should say something. And literally, like I told him this when he called me, too. He called me that evening. He was like, hey, what's up? What's going on? And we're joking around. And he's just like. Hey, man, no. so, like, seriously, if you want to get a job here, like, we could probably work something out. Have you meet everybody? He's like, if it's not something that you end up liking later down the road, no harm, no foul. But yeah. he, was, he was like, I do think that you are a good fit for it and you have a lot to offer because you've also lived it. So now that opportunity is on the table. And I mean, at this point, I just got to figure out what's up with my license situation. Yeah. And then hopefully get all that squared off this upcoming week and from there we'll know okay that's awesome congratulations on that let's go to g how do you feel about the idea that this fool has a job at like being a counselor like being a counselor hopefully being a counselor training yeah training training to be a counselor good for him that's wild though right that's some real life changing it is career path I, I don't even see it in myself but like i mean it's clearly other people see something that i don't i mean i guess it just sounds so weird because it's just like what the fuck like you like yeah. i seen you two years ago and now you're doing what yeah, like yeah. but yeah i will say this i i totally understand that right but there's got to come a point for you and you got to make the decision to do this this isn't anybody else's job where you understand that you're not your past. Yeah. Oops. That's me. Drop the phone again. You're not your past. So anything you want to do going forward is literally on the table. If you're willing to work for it, I don't mm-hmm. give a fuck what it is. Whatever you want in life, you can have it. You just yeah. have to put the work in for it. Talk to yourself about it. Put yeah. together a realistic game plan to do it. If it takes other moving parts, other people, pick from people that have proven to execute in something similar. Yeah, maybe even get some some homies that are a little bit above you in some of the things you want to do. Yeah, and just watch how they move. Like all that shit is possible, bro. So mm-hmm. I get that it's weird, but I do want to just tell you, like, don't let that weird shit stay around too long because you got it in you. You just got to pull it up out of there. And yeah, it to work. So I did have a question too. That's a little bit off topic about where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. How did you hear about this podcast? <clears throat> How did I hear about this? Because you were locked up when this came out and when it was doing its thing, I think. Um, I think I might have heard about some shit over the phone. Okay. Like, but it was I didn't really think anything of it. I knew who you were and I yeah, knew yeah. who the homies, yeah. like Frisk and Lakota and everybody. Yeah. I was like, that's cool. But I didn't really think much of it. But I've always been big into podcasts. 
Okay. So like I listen to like murder mystery ones. I listen to like yeah. just random shit on Spotify specifically. And yeah. uh that's how I go to sleep every night. I put on a podcast and put the timer on it. Okay. By the end of it, I'll be out. So that's how I fall asleep. And then I remember asking somebody about it. I think Rue or somebody. I was like, what's that shit called? I was like, yeah. I'm trying to look that shit up. I was like, I've damn near listened to all the murder mystery ones that yeah. this person puts out. So I check your shit out. And I was like, okay, this is sick. Yeah, I appreciate it. I thought it was to, I thought it was dope because I seen your whole journey. I didn't understand the addiction part. I did tap in with you a few times and yeah, I could see you weren't doing well. But I also don't truly know you before that. Yeah. So I don't know how to gauge mm-hmm. where you are. Mm-hmm. But when I spoke to Rue and about it and everything, and I was just like, damn, you know, I thought it was tight when you hit me up about the podcast. And I was like, this is crazy that other people who are doing what I used to do like mm-hmm. it. Thought that was cool. Now, though, after our first prep conversations and the first episode and just being around you more, mm-hmm. just fuck the podcast part. Yeah. I'm more excited to see what you do in your life. Yeah. And I'm excited to see that you will try new shit or try shit in a different way. For instance, mm-hmm. this show we're about to do, right? Yeah. The last show we did here with We Are Sacramento Artists Make the City, you guys came out to. Mm-hmm. Saw everything and I pitched it to you. Hey, what if we did a craft show? Fortunately, we're not doing shows here at this property at the moment. Mm-hmm. So I had to go find another place to do it because I had told you. I think this would be a good fit, but more so if you, because if you make this part of your program, your life program from now on, yeah, you can actually possibly do something with it. Yeah. What I mean is art, mm-hmm. right? So you have the momentum and the street cred mm-hmm. to back up an audience. Yeah. An audience turns around and becomes customers, potential clients. Yeah. If you can constantly make pieces that you're happy with, you don't have to push out stuff you don't want to do, but People will support you is what I'm saying because you have this reputation. Yeah. So the main reason why I did the show coming up is to just so you can see it and experience it yourself. Yeah. With your own people. That's why I picked everybody I picked. But there's just you can see that energy in the room. And hopefully that takes a little bit of root with you. Yeah. And maybe this becomes something you do often. Same thing with you, G. You know what I'm saying? So like it's it's really I have a piece in there. I set up all the moves. Made it all happen, but really it's to see which one of you guys that are in the show, that are in the mix right now, really want to do something going forward because it's helped me a lot. It's helped my sobriety. It's helped me financially. Mm-hmm. It's helped me just as a person. So, like, I really want you to see that, too. And yeah. hopefully it does something for you, too. Yeah, I appreciate that a lot, for real. Yeah, no, I'm excited for everybody. So, where do you think you are in your sobriety right now? What I mean is you have this little bit of time, mm-hmm. right? Has it, it's been about a year. I mean, you want the exact date? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you got the app, dude. Got one year, one month, 23 days, two hours, nine minutes, and 42 Damn. seconds. <laughs> don't laugh. Fool. He's tracking it. <laughs> That's right. I'm proud of it too. So fuck yeah, everybody. Bro. Hell yeah. I don't mean to laugh. Again. No, you're good. <laughs> I, no, I get it. It's like down to the second. It's, yeah. it's a little excessive. It's a little but... weird, but whatever. It's cool. <laughs> so the app's for it, dude. So where do you how do you feel about the journey now? Um, I'm hopeful. I'm I'm and I'm optimistic about it. I'm keeping it 100. I wasn't feeling the same way though. If you asked me three months ago, yeah. But after a while, it's like if I got to go through this program, I might as well get something out of it. Definitely. And I actually really started absorbing 
and like all these tools and everything that I'm learning, I'm actually putting them into effect. So I know that it's very possible. What are some of the tools you're learning? Um, just right now, I'm coming up with a relapse prevention plan. So that's just in case I have a relapse. I don't think that relapse. Before you relapse. Yeah, before. But uh, yeah, that just learning about triggers, just negative and positive triggers. People don't tend to associate a trigger with a positive thing, but there's celebratory things. There's holidays, there's this, there's yeah. that. So people do relapse because of that. Um, learning about like cognitive thinking, cognitive distortion, um, emotional regulation, learning all my coping skills and how to deal with my depression and anxiety and just negative emotions in general. Damn, I feel guilty as shit. I don't know about none of this shit. <laughs> no, I think you know I, 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 I do think you do. I just think that it becomes. It's not highlighted. No. Yeah. Well, all them words, I'm like, Google that later. Google that later. Google that later. Because I can't, I can't put a finger on it. Yeah. No, that's great, man. And I'm happy for you. And really, I'm actually glad the way it all worked out with the deleting the part two of this before. Because now we can come back with a better, a different relationship. You know, yeah. you and I, but also like. There's months now, and you've had a lot of growth in those months. And the fact that you're hopeful mm-hmm. that that's your that's what's in your spirit right now, yeah, I think that's fucking great. Damn, that was a hard phone drop. Anyways, yeah, my bad. <laughs> so, where do you where would you like to see yourself in this program employment? And what like what would you like to see for yourself for the the rest of this year? Um. I overthink still a lot. So like my mind goes like if I don't get my license back or if it's not valid, then a lot of these options are going to be, I wouldn't say impossible, but either on pause or a lot more difficult to achieve. Well, the way, the way I want you to put it in your head is not if, Yeah, it's not a matter if, bro. Like the fact of the matter is if, when you put the work in, you can have it. Yeah. Now that timeline Mm -hmm. of when it's kind of up to you and the circumstances. Yeah. Take that if shit. Okay. I apologize, but just one on one. Yeah. No if. Um what I'd like to see in myself is graduating. I'm gonna graduate here in a few weeks. You get a cap and gown? I'm not sure. You should get a cap and gown. I'm not sure. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Maybe Steve, do I get a cap and gown? And then you gotta go get me one up at the end. Yeah. <laughs> nah, definitely get a certificate. Okay. And, and Check that off my list of things that have to be done for probation. But um, hopefully, hopefully I like this job um, when I take it. I think that I I was talking to Steve, too. I said it's something that really has touched me enough to where I want to do it, even if I got to wait another six months for for my license to be valid or whatever it takes. I'll seek some type of other employment to keep me busy in the meantime. But for sure, I want to check, see what this shit's about, because I I do think that there's a lot of good characteristics about myself that I could bring to that company. And really forgive me, but I don't think I remember what the position actually is. So this is like, at first you're just like chaperoning and following a a counselor at the LRT, which is a long-term residential chaperoning. Yeah. It's just kind of like I'm doing bed checks. I got to make sure everybody who's in the inpatient is there. I got to check on the people in detox. Yeah. And this is just what I've been told. I only got told a little summary by Steve. He said, Hey, let me line it up with my boss and you can get the full spill. 
So this sounds like you about to be a bodyguard slash security guard. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like body nobody leaving. Yeah. Gotta check people's bags and yeah. shit. Like, you know what I mean? Make sure you wanna cool. get in and out, you gotta go through me. <laughs> <laughs> and there ain't no out. You only get you a whistle, boy. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. A whistle and a the little thing of mace or some shit. Yeah. With the tool belt though, with hella extra shit you don't need on there. Just to feel important though. Just to jingle when you walk through the hall. Yeah. All right, so no, that's not good. true. No, it doesn't happen. I know, it doesn't happen. Ball, <laughs> so that would be dope if you could do that, because what better environment would you fit into mm-hmm. easily, right? Like, I remember for the first year of my shit, I was leading with the fact that I was an addict. I'm an addict in recovery, and it was like the first thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't understand that nobody gives a shit. Yeah, you know that I'm. That's my story, not everybody's, and I don't need to lead with that. Mm-hmm. So I think it'd be really good for you reintroducing yourself into everything else if you are reinforcing where you are right now if you could get a job doing that so yeah let me know if you need anything if i can help yeah i appreciate it we'll go from there we'll see what's what now i'm basically to the point in your story where we're current yeah is there anything you want to add to or say before we conclude the episode take as much time as you want do whatever I'm really bad on the spot. It's all good. Everybody knows this about let's, me. Okay, let's come back to you. Think about it. What about you, G? Let's. What do you? How do you feel about his entire journey? We just went through a lot of shit in this one episode. Um, it it's looking uphill. You know what I mean? Yeah, it like, is. Couple, you know, a year ago yeah. or a couple months ago, it was downhill for sure. But yeah, it's looking uphill. I mean, this fool's got offered a job. He's actually taking it serious. Yeah. Like, I mean, we'll be on the like we'll be kicking it. You know. At, Wherever, and this fool will be literally using what he's learning in class yeah. on on us. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, goddamn, I'm learning about myself right now. How does that How does that play out with everybody though? Do they Do they just be like, this fool? He's only trying to be a counselor. I wouldn't say it, it's a joke, but it's it's something you know yeah. we're kind of supporting at the same time. Like, yeah. all right, this fool wants to like again, you know, he wants to take it serious. Like, yeah. we're gonna support him no matter what. At least he ain't fucking doing bad shit like he yeah. was. I think something that you guys said before that was hella funny, just cracking jokes about is like he starts pulling out a pen and paper as you're talking and he starts writing notes like he's a counselor. Yeah. And then the, <laughs> now the homies who did drugs with me, they probably really don't want to be around me now because hey, I be preaching shit. They tell call them me. Stay away. Tell them stay away till they're ready to come around. Like I mean, the only time you can see me is if you enroll in yeah. residential treatment and then we can conversate. Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, there's a few homies that like still use drugs when yeah. he's around. They'll be like, fuck, I kind of want to change my life. And since he's doing it, it's like, well, fucking do it then, dude. Like, come on, be about what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. No, again, that goes back to being the example, bro. That shit will reverberate out. It's yeah. infectious. Yeah. Yeah. They're either going to run and hide or they're going to be attracted to it. But there's not really in between. Yeah. What are some of the things you're doing just for fun for yourself now? Um, just living a normal fucking life. It's crazy. Like, Going and playing pool. I did that the other day. Like, yeah. you're on drugs. You know, you don't want to do nothing. You just want yeah. to get high and go commit crime or go. Yeah. Do, for me, I wanted to do graffiti and it got amplified. But now it's like just the little things in life, just like being around people. Like, I don't even got to be doing nothing, but just like the presence of my friends is always a good time. And just like going and doing little shit. That's tight. So I'll rephrase the question then before we exit. Can you give me an example of one of a dope day you've had? Oh yeah! Since you've been out, should have uh, seen this <laughs> seen this coming from yeah, a mile away. This question, yeah. a dope day for me would be waking up sober. There you go. Um, 
I guess in recent times going to going to class, learning some new shit about myself, going out of class, just relaxing, just being around my family, just having a good dinner. You know what I mean? Just chilling or on the weekends, just be with the homies and just enjoy, enjoy the little shit in life. Because for a while I wasn't appreciating that. Now I do. So I can definitely relate, bro. I sat in bed the other day and just listen to my household unfold in the morning and it was the best thing <laughs> i'm like oh shit we're not late on anything nobody's in trouble like this is great yeah so i agree the little things in life are probably have the biggest impact so yeah i think that's a great way to conclude the episode thank you too for your time for your story it's been part two of the greatest graffiti story ever told this podcast is brought to you by we are sacramento and the loft